You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, this morning we're just going to conclude our series um, on joy, all right, on joy. And listen, being called a son or daughter of God gives us reason to be joyful. And we've been going through the book of Philippians Uh, We're in Philippians chapter 4, and I'm not going to regurgitate the last three weeks, but if you miss them, you want to definitely grab a hold of them. We talked about, you know, having joy no matter what. We talked about joy in relationships. (laughs) Don't raise your hand if you need that. Uh, We probably all need that. Understanding how to have joy in our relationships, joy in our thinking. And today we're going to talk about joy that guards our heart. Joy that guards our heart, and this is so important. And I love the book of Philippians because the theme that runs through it is this idea of joy. And I love it because of where the Holy Spirit chose to inspire Paul to write it. He was in prison. He was under house arrest in Rome toward the tail end of his ministry facing death. And yet, something that was affecting him, not from the circumstances of his life, but from the Spirit of God in him was motivating him to write this. And he wrote it from a place of joy to the church there in Philippi. It's beautiful because it speaks to the true joy and the difference between the things around us, right? The circumstantial things around us that come to us. See, and and we can take those things and, and they can bring us momentary happiness. We can get a new car and a new car is fun until it gets dirty and you gotta wash it, right? Until a tire goes flat. You can get a pay raise in your job, and you work, work really hard, but then you're going to feel like you need another pay raise. Stuff can make us happy, but there's a difference between the stuff that makes us happy, and there's nothing wrong with the stuff, new card, pay raise. There's nothing wrong with that. But the difference is this, is that joy comes from the Lord, and joy is what happens inside of us. And it gives us the ability to be joyful no matter what we walk through. And in Philippians chapter 4, Paul talks about this, this idea of of joy that guards our heart. And I want to unpack this this morning for us. And there's a reason why. And and Paul actually talks about it in this bold statement in Philippians 4 verse 6 when he says, Don't be anxious for anything. Do not be anxious for anything. What an amazing statement there that Paul makes. Think about that for just a second. Grab a hold of that. That's a bold statement. There are so many things in life for us to be anxious about. We can be anxious about our job. We can be anxious about our family, our future, our health, our marriage, our children. The list goes on and on and on. And then Paul makes this bold statement, do not be anxious about anything. Wow. Come on, Paul. Are you sure? You sure you tuned in right there? But what Paul talks about in the Holy Spirit is giving us is this truth, is that there's a joy that God gives that actually has the ability to guard our heart and to break the intimidation that anxiety tries to hit us with. I don't know about you, but, but I, I want to kind of dive and know that. I want to know that. I want to dive into that. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there, or you can just read it off the screen, or you're on your phone. If you're in the fantasy football league and you attempt to make a trade or uh, uh, edit your lineup, and I get an email for it, I'm calling you out. Just know that. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> and if I do it, then you guys can call me out. <laughs> All right. Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul lays out two different approaches to how we deal with the pressure of this world, the anxiety of life. There is two different choices we have right off the bat, and one comes with a promise, and the other is an option that we can take if we choose not to listen to God's plan to bring joy that guards our heart. Paul starts off with this just profound spiritual truth, and this is going to blow your minds. It goes like this, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he emphasizes, he punctuates it with this. Again, I'm going to say it to you. Rejoice. What's Paul saying? He's saying this, and this is the key. This is one decision you you can make when anxiety hits you. It's this, is by choosing to rejoice in the Lord, by making the decision to rejoice in the Lord. I know that doesn't seem like a powerful spiritual principle, but it is extremely powerful. Why? Because God gives a promise next to it. He says, listen, I'm going to do some things when you choose to rejoice in me. And when God gives a promise, inside that promise is all the power and resource necessary to complete the promise. But we still have to make an active decision to agree with the promises of God. And that's why Paul says here, rejoice. But rejoice always. Don't just rejoice when you feel like it. Don't just rejoice when it's easy. Rejoice always. What is he saying? Make the decision to rejoice. And then he goes on and says, I'm going to tell you one more time just in case you didn't get it. Rejoice. Rejoice. When you have a decision to make, rejoice. When you're facing pressure, rejoice. When you don't know what to do, rejoice. When things are going great, rejoice. Rejoice always. What does that mean? Choose joy. But it's not just a hyped up thing. And I want to be very clear about saying that to you. Because sometimes we just kind of get confused and we say, if we'll just say the right words, it's going to happen. That's not the case. What Paul's talking about is anchoring yourself in something substantial, something that comes from the Spirit that comes from the Lord. Where does that joy come from? That joy comes from the truth of who God is and the truth of who God calls you. And that's what Paul's talking about. See, when I'm faced with a trial, and, and, he, and again, I've said this so many times in this series, but I love this fact. Paul was in prison. Paul was looking at the end of his life, and he kind of knew it. But yet... He chose to anchor himself in the truth of what God spoke about him and the truth of who God is. Think about that for just a second with me. How could he ever dare write things like, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What a powerful thing. But think about the amount of joy that brings, knowing that you have a hope for today and a hope for tomorrow. See, his joy was rooted in something substantial. So when he says rejoice in the Lord, and again, I say rejoice. He's saying make the decision 
to choose joy, the joy of the Lord that has something behind it, has a powerful truth behind it. That's the decision. As a side note to this idea of rejoicing, he goes on in verse 5 and says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. What happens is when we choose joy, we begin to walk differently. You know, I grew up in church, and I, I remember through youth group and, and kids' church, and, and even as, and as, a, as a young adult hearing this, that you want to be the kind of Christian that people take notice of, that you walk differently. And I always kind of found that as a goofy statement. Like, what am I supposed to do, you know? How is that supposed to look? This is one of the ways that when we choose joy, we begin to walk differently in the world. The world notices And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, let your gentleness be evident to all. How is that possible? Because when everything else is shaking and anxiety is pushing against the world, you are handling it differently. Your heart is guarded. And instead of being unraveled, you have a gentleness about you. You're walking with a buffer as it would. You are, you're walking around as if nothing can come against you that is going to rattle your cage. This is a benefit of choosing to rejoice in the Lord, to making your decisions and fixing your feet and your eyes firmly and saying in everything, I'm going to rejoice. But as a punctuation on the end of verse 5, he says this, the Lord is near. It's very important to understand this just as an additional thing to know this. That's reason enough for us to live in a position of joy, not just knowing that our future is secure, but by also knowing that God is returning soon. Do you know this, that there is great hope in that truth right there? of knowing that Jesus one day will split the skies and return and and draw us up with him. That's great joy. We have a hope for tomorrow. What an amazing thing. Then he goes on and says this, listen, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. And he begins to unfold this idea, and I want to just unfold the idea of anxiety of anxiety being a joy stealer and how anxiety works so we can understand this because it's not just enough to know that we cannot be anxious, that we've got to begin to give the things to the Lord, but I want to just explain how anxiety is a joy killer, if I can, for just a second. Anxiety does three things. It attacks our worry, our why, and our who. It causes us to worry. We worry about the what. How are we going to get the resources? How is it going to come through? How's the money going to come through? How's the relationship going to be reconciled? We begin to worry. This is what wakes you up in the middle of the night, the type of anxiety that wakes you up in the middle of the night. Anxiety hits your worry, our worry, the worry button in our life. What's going to happen? We deal with the great what if. We wrestle with it. The things that actually hardly ever come into reality, we wrestle with those things, and they occupy our heart and our mind. See, they fill our thoughts up with worry, but then our heart gets restless and anxious inside. So it attacks our worry, but then it also hits our why. Our why. Why did this happen to me? 
God, why are you letting this happen? Don't, don't, don't raise your hand, but many of you have thought that thought before. God, why are you letting this happen to me? This is what anxiety does and why anxiety is a joy killer. Because it hits our why. And our why is very important because our why speaks to the care of value, of value in our lives. What is significant about me that I should be held above the fray and the pain of this earth? It hits our value, our why. And then finally, our who. Our who. Who is going to fix this? Who is going to supply the need? Who is going to take care of this? Where is the resource and the hope and the help going to come from? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 12, 22 through 25. He spoke to his disciples and he said this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more important than food and your body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. Do they not sow or reap? They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Jesus hits all three aspects of how anxiety works against us. And he starts off by saying, listen, put your eyes on things that matter. Put your eyes on things that matter. The what that you're worried about, you shouldn't be worried about because life is more than just the what. Put your eyes on things that matter. How many of you guys has an unpaid bill ruined your life? Not very many of you. But how, how cared and concerned did you get about that? How many of you have felt the, the, the sting of, of a job before where there's a pressure, but God worked it out in your favor? He did it. And this is what Jesus is saying here. And he's saying this. He's saying, listen, I take care of the ravens. I care for them. I'm the God who cares for your needs. Don't worry about the what. And then he goes on and talks about the area of value, the why. See, because it's not just enough to know. Listen, please hear this. It's not just enough to know when it comes to anxiety, and this is going to set you free, that God is going to take care of the need. you got to know why he's going to take care of the need. And he explains it here. He says, you see the ravens? They don't have a place to store their stuff. They don't... They don't worry about it, but I take care of them all the time. I love those ravens. I created those ravens. I created those ravens for a purpose, for a plan. But you're way, way, way more valuable as a son or a daughter than anything that's been created. And God says this. He answers this, and this will set you free in your anxiety because some of you say you, you, you may be caught in the trap of what's going on, but understand when you can grab a hold of why God cares for you, because you're valuable to him, because he knows you, because he loves you, because you're a son, because you're a daughter, because he stamped you, because he, his name depends on it, it begins to fix something in your heart. It begins to allow you to give your care to the Lord. 
And then Jesus says this. He says, who of you by worrying can add one single hour to his life? He answers the who. I'm the one who's going to supply. So stop. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. What a powerful, powerful truth that Jesus gives right there. Listen, none of you, none of us have ever added anything to our life by worrying about something we can't either control or do anything about. But Jesus says, listen, I see the what, and I'm going to resource the what because I care for you. You're valuable to me. Let me do it. Let me take it off your hands because you can do nothing about it. What an amazing, powerful truth right there. Because it breaks the back of how anxiety works in our hearts and in our minds and gives us the ability to choose to rejoice in the Lord. Wow. I like what I'm saying. Okay. Let's talk about some keys to protecting the the joy of the Lord in our lives and our hearts. The first is this, when we we look back at Philippians 4, we see this in in verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A couple of keys to protecting the joy of the Lord in our hearts. The first is this, is to be present in prayer. To be present in prayer. Take your needs, take your requests to the Lord. I love, there's something the Lord, the Lord showed me, and um, it's just something that's kind of been fresh on my heart and my mind over this weekend. There was a period of time that, um, and, and, I, and I've shared this before, but this is, this is a very powerful truth for me. And it reminded me of the truth that the, that the Lord is a good shepherd. It, it came during a season after my parents had passed away. And and I was really just asking and fix, fixating on that question of why, the question of value. And it was hitting my heart. It was attacking my heart. And the way that the Lord answered it in my heart was this. And it was a matter of petition prayer. And let me, let me explain petition prayer to you. Petition prayer, like sometimes we think of prayer, as prayer in our prayer closet, and that's important, our daily time of prayer. But petition prayer is a kind that we're always asking God. We're asking God as we're driving. We're asking God as we're in the shower. We're just saying, God, what's, what's this about? God, I need this. God, help me with this. God, I need this. It's petitioning God. And I was petitioning God, and, and one day I heard the Lord just speak to me and say these powerful words that are in, in the Word of God. Say this, I am the good shepherd. I went to the book of John, and I heard where Jesus explained about the shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. And the sheep know the shepherd. The shepherd protects his sheep. The shepherd keeps out the, the enemies of the sheep. The shepherd guards the sheep, leads them into good places. And it began to still my heart. It answered that question of value. But it came through the petition of prayer. And see, this is a key. Whenever we're going through the stuff of life and anxiety begins to push up against us, and this is what Paul's saying, listen, don't be anxious about anything But through prayer and petition, it starts there. So you have to be present in prayer. You have to present your stuff to the Lord. You have to bring it to him. Why? Because very simply, if you don't, you're going to find another outlet. And you may tap into a bad outlet. 
So you may go to a coworker or a family member who doesn't hear the Lord and begin to explain some stuff to them and get some bad advice. You may begin to just strew your junk all over town, and before you know it, you're bumping into it no matter where you go. Your conversations of everybody you're calling, they're talking about your stuff before you get a chance to talk about it. See, what God's saying is saying, listen, just, hey, come to me first and come to me often. Be present in prayer. Jesus says it like this in in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. He says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for a happy meal, will try to give him PB&J? That's the message. If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Man, can stop. Jesus just flat out called us evil. What the, huh? I'm a good dad, Jesus. I will get my kids a happy meal when they want a happy meal. Thank you very much. Hey, listen. What's Jesus saying? He's saying in comparison to my value and my goodness, anything you can see represented on the earth is in pale comparison. What's the point of being present in prayer and petitioning the Lord? Is because he hears you when you knock. He's going to open the door and he loves you because he is the good father. That's why. It's amazing with that, going back to that story in my life where the Lord spoke that. My mom passed away when she was 55. My dad passed away when he was 56. Within a year of each other. My mom, I've said it before, died from Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a demonic, awful disease. And all of the questions of what and why were popping in my head. My mom loved Jesus My mama served Jesus every day I knew her. She even worked at a church. That doesn't count. But listen, I mean, she was all about it. And all those questions of what and why and the anxiety that just tries to punch you, knock you out. Listen, in one moment of petitioning prayer, God, why? God, why? Please, God. Please, God. Please, God. I need help. God, help me. Help me. Help me. Boom, I am the good shepherd. I did not need a reasoning because the revelation of the goodness of God healed my heart. I didn't doubt the healing power of God from that moment. I didn't step out and hesitate to step out in fear if I was going to pray for somebody. It was all dealt with in the revelation of the goodness of the Father. And that is why we we stay present in prayer and we petition in prayer. The second thing Paul says is this, is be, be thankful in your requests. That's just hand in hand with the revelation of the goodness of God. They, we know that he is a good father. He's not going to give things that we don't need. He's not going to give us a stone when we ask for bread. He's going to give us exactly what we need to accomplish everything that we are called 
to do and to be. And sometimes that may not be what we want, but our decision to be thankful makes the difference in how that gift comes. You know, with my, with my children, listen, Christmas comes. It's coming around the corner. And I, I love, I got my kids sitting right there. I just parked this story way back. All right. <laughs> Whoops. All right. I love when my children are thankful. My children are thankful. It makes me want to give them good gifts. Listen, when we choose to be thankful, it does something to our hearts. It unlocks something in our hearts. It unlocks something in God's heart. We become really aware of the blessing, the full measure of the blessing of God when we choose to be thankful. And so, listen, here's the key. As Paul's saying, listen, don't be anxious about anything, but through prayer and petition, giving thankfulness, making your quest known, with thankfulness, listen, as we choose to be thankful, what we're doing is that we are setting ourselves up to receive the full blessing of God. And then he goes on and says this, and then let peace, let the peace of God rule your heart. So we see this, be present in prayer. Be thankful in your requests and let the peace of God rule your heart. This is the beautiful thing here because it reverses the course of action that anxiety tries to push up against us. And this is really where we get into the place of having our heart guarded by joy. Because there's two things at work inside of us and only one can rule. And it's our spirit and it's our mind. And our mind is, is governed by the things around us, our experiences, what's happened to us. We know things based off of our experiences, just things that can maybe seem painful. Like, for instance, I recently, within a month, I just had a root canal. The last time I had a root canal was when I was about 14 years old. It was on my front tooth. And so when I got into that dentist chair, you know, they lean you back, you know what I'm saying? And, and it kind of has a, a curvature to that. I was straight as a board. My tension was like this. And the doctor kept going, you all right, buddy? You all right, buddy? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I heard that, I heard that drill. I didn't even know what was going. It was like, and I just went, oh! Because my mind told me, you hear that sound? Pain's coming. Pain's coming. That's how our mind works. In reality, it wasn't painful at all. Until I saw that, that drill, they went up in my tooth. Ah, anyways, so <laughs> my mind tricked me again. But man, my face was numbed out. I didn't feel anything. I hardly felt the shot they gave me. But our mind, our mind does something based off of our experiences. And see, what happens is if we don't choose to allow the joy of the Lord to guard our hearts What's going to happen when anxiety hits us is our mind is going to take control and begin to rule our life. It's going to draw us into a place of fear. And so what God says is this. As you present your requests to me in thankfulness, as you stay present in prayer and you stay thankful because you know I'm the good father and you keep under that revelation, the peace of God is going to guard your heart and your mind. So what happens is this, that the peace of God starts and guards your spirit, man. 
He guards your spirit because you're staying in the place of the revelation of who you are as a son or a daughter. And from that position, from that position, your mind will line up to what your spirit, the spirit of God is saying. Your mind will line up to what the spirit of God is saying. I love watching my son play soccer. He, um, I, I'm, I'm one of those dads that walks the sidelines. My wife sits in her chair, and she's calm, and she'll tell me, you got to go down the sideline, because <laughs> I'm that dad, right? I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> oh, looking at me funny now, like, <laughs> are we going to see you on the news? I don't hope not. Okay. Hey, so, I love when my son is playing, to get his attention and to look at him in his eyes. And he plays defense. And I'll say from the side, Matt, Matt, look at me. And he'll, out, out of all the sounds, all the yelling, all the action on the field, his eyes will lock with mine. And I'll tell him, son, do this. I played soccer, right? <laughs> all right, all right, fair moment. We're, we're all family here. You guys are like, are you living vicariously through your son? Maybe. That's a different sermon. Okay. <laughs> but I love looking at my son and doing that. And see, what happens is this. And, and because, my, listen, my son is, is so much better of an athlete or a soccer player than I ever was. It's, it, it's just, man, wow. He's a great young man. And when I catch his eyes and we sit and I say that to him, he locks into that. He hears that. It tunes, it tunes him in. And I'll, I'll, I won't say things like, hey, son, go attack the ball. I'm, I'm like, hey, son, calm down. Calm down. Focus in. Do that. See, when, when God gets a hold of our heart and we're captured by the revelation of what he says about us, it has the ability to still our mind. And so when the peace of God guards our heart, first, it can guard our mind. It can begin to renew our mind to a different truth, not based on the experiences of what we've experienced before. Not in the fear of what's happened before, but in the the truth of what he's called us. So we stay present in prayer. We present our requests with thanksgiving, and we let the peace of God guard our hearts and our minds. In Philippians 4 through 8, and this is how we kickstart joy in our heart, joy that guards our heart. Hey, Justin, see here? Come on up, bud. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. How do we kickstart this process of letting God guard our hearts with joy? The first is just protect your thought life. Protect your thought life. Take a little inventory of what you're thinking about right now. Is anxiety ruling your mind? Are you, are you staying up right now at night? Are you worried about something? Are you fixating on something? Protect your thought life. One of the easiest ways to do that is to if, if you find yourself confessing things that are just tied into negative thinking, listen, just begin to read the Word of God. 
and speak what the Word of God says. I know that sounds simple, but it's powerfully true. Jesus said this, out of the overflow of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. And so listen, if you hear yourself talking one way and you, man, you're thinking about things one way that don't, it doesn't line up with the truth of what God's called you to be, then, then start to protect your thought life. Protect your thought life. This is what Paul's saying. He said, listen, you need to think about something different. You need to start thinking about good things. Things that are true, things that are pure, things that are noble, that are uplifting. What's lovely? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What's affecting the way you think? Protect your thought life. And the second thing is this. Model what you know is right. Start doing what you know is right. Take a step in the right direction. He said, whatever you've learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. See, some of us today, listen, we've, we've, we've battled with anxiety for so long. You may not know what it looks like in your life not to live that way. And so as you, you, you stay present in prayer, and as you, you, you present your request with thanksgiving, you allow the peace of God to guard your heart and mind. You start protecting your thought life. You may need to look to a model, to somebody who has overcome. And see, that's why God's put us in the body. That's the importance of the body of Christ. It's because some of you right now are going through stuff, and you don't know what it looks like differently in a peaceful way to be in a marriage that's not filled with anxiety. You need a model. You need to be tied in with somebody. That's what the body of Christ is about. This is what Paul said. The things that you've seen me do, just step out and do those things. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul wraps this up with this very powerful truth that I want to leave us with today. In Philippians 4, 10-13, says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, but I have learned, listen to this, in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's Paul saying? He made the joy decision every day because he knew where his strength came from. Let's come into agreement this morning that as we leave this place, no matter what you're walking through, Listen, some of you may be on a mountaintop. Some of you may be in the valley. Some of you may be taking the first steps to come out of a place of anxiety. No matter what it is, make the decision today. It, It ends with this. It started with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Make the joy decision no matter what you're walking through, knowing that when you choose joy, You're choosing the truth of God, and He 
is the one who gives you strength in all things. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to invite the ministry teams to come up. Every week we have a few folks up here who pray for people. It's so important. It's so important that if you have a need that you don't leave here without having somebody pray with you. Some of you this morning, the, the message was right there for you. And you just need somebody to come into agreement with you. As you agree to make the joy decision, then this morning, please come up and receive ministry. Don't leave. If you have to stand in line, don't leave. Or make the altar right there at your chair. Whatever it is, make the joy decision today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that because of you, Jesus, that we have joy. It's a real joy. It's a joy that comes from knowing that we're your son, that we're your daughter. And we thank you for that, Lord. Today I pray that, God, for every person here, that that joy would begin to guard our hearts and our minds that we would be anchored so deeply in that revelation. God, that you are for us, that you are the one who cares for us, that you are the one who knows us and loves us, that you value us, God. That we can begin to, to give you the cares that we are walking through. So, Lord, that we could truly be a people that do not walk in anxiety. Lord, we thank you for that. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the love that we talked about that comes from God is found only through His Son, Jesus, and the gift that He gave us at the cross when He allowed His body and His blood to be shed. This morning, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, there's a simple path for you and it's this the Bible says that if you believe that what Jesus did at the cross covered the debt of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus you confess him with your mouth the Bible says that you'll be saved you'll be saved from the fear of death but you'll also be brought into the wonderful peace and life that only comes through Jesus Christ and this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you Make that confession right now. Say, Jesus, I trust in you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. And if you made that decision this morning, the only thing I'm asking you to do is to take one of our tithe envelopes, our connect, those are also connect cards, and write your name down and say that you made a decision and just drop it off in the back. We would love to know that. Father, we thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you for the revelation of your word, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need ministry at this time, please come forward. We look forward to seeing you next week.